Hello everybody and welcome back to the Biff Rugby League podcast episode number 25. We've hit a quarter of a century. There's more episodes than I think the age of all of us. Um, I don't think any of us are 25 yet, are we? Not yet. Not yet. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. That's scary that we've done 25 episodes and we've recorded some that haven't even made it because of technical issues. Um, I think we've recorded Rob. that. Sorry, yeah, my fault. Um, I think we've recorded about 30 episodes and you've just missed five and then it's it sort of derailed us for a bit. But we're back, we're in a rhythm. Um, but it is going to be, there is only two more podcasts after this before we wrap up for the for the winter. You've got today, you've got next week and then you've got a final sort of review of the season. Bloody, bloody, blah, after the World Cup final. So look out for those three. Well, this one and the two after because you make the most of those. And then there'll be loads of big news coming our way to you. Um, I would say, has anyone got any news and how is everybody? But just before we came on air, Toby dropped the biggest bombshell ever and kind of threw me off whatever I was prepping. Um, so, Toby, take, take the stage, my friend. Yeah, so... Um, That's if you, big yeah, if you want to tell people. I, don't, I should have asked that before, really. I've got some big news to announce. and uh, That's that... Despite me berating the Welsh National Rugby League sides uh, all all the summer, or all summer, all winter, um, it turns out that we're actually very decent at wheelchair rugby league, and we might be having a semi final against England uh, on the way. In other news, I'm having a baby, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it, I, I'm really proud of the Welsh boys, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to losing to England in the semi final. I mean, it's going to be. You're going to lose to us. Samoa are going to lose to us. Uh, one of Australia or New Zealand are going to lose to us. So these countries better get used to it, really, aren't they? Um, Robin, how are you? How have you been? How did you take that news? Massive news. I'm chuffed. Yeah, it's great. Fantastic. Um, I've had a great time, actually. I've like just come off the end of probably the busiest week of my life. I was at a picture every single night, apart from uh, my girlfriend's birthday, but it was mutually agreed. Don't worry, <laughs> I, I was allowed that one off. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome. I've been to loads of games. I've been to loads of stadiums that I'd never seen before. Uh, been like went to Huddersfield. That's a pretty impressive ground. Um, Hull FC, Leeds, uh, Warrington. I went up to Middlesbrough and all sorts. So I've just had a really crazy week, and I'm really excited now to get towards the like the big games and. Yeah, let's let's just go for it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty to talk about, and I think you've already mentioned the wheelchair game, Toby. So we'll start with that. Um, it didn't start off too great for Wales, um, 154 points to six to France. But like you said, they're the creators of the game, so it felt a bit. It felt like it was kind of just going to happen, but maybe not as bad as what we were expecting. The USA overcame Scotland in their first ever game of wheelchair rugby league, which by the way, if you're a Scot if you're Scottish and you're following this rugby league world cup, you must be well embarrassed because the USA have never played a game of wheelchair rugby league before. <laughs> they don't have a world ranking and you've lost to them and <laughs> it's just awful for them. Um the women's world cup has been a little bit one-sided. Papua New Guinea demolished Brazil, England beat Canada. Australia absolutely battered New, uh, France and New Zealand seem to labour over the Cook Islands a little bit and we'll get into that when we mention the women's game but the wheelchair game has been absolutely outstanding hasn't it? I genuinely believe 
that it's actually the most watchable product of the three World Cups that we've got on, which I know is saying a lot, but I find that like I don't lose investment in the wheelchair game when it's a one-sided game or when whatever, and to have it on like national TV for anyone to flick across is fantastic. Um, you know, I've, I found that like I turned off Australia, um, Lebanon in about 60 minutes in, um, you know, I was like, I'll just watch something else, which uh, whatever, but like with a wheelchair game, I can just keep watching it because I think that it is just the smaller pitch, especially you never just get like it either just completely dead in the middle and nothing happening, or you never get a situation where it just feels like another team's pummeling them because you still have to work it really well in the tight angles and stuff to get to score. Um, I think that I've I've had it on in my girlfriend's house and her and her brother have both been like more interested in that than anything else I've had on the TV this weekend. Um, but there's definitely something about it that just like is just so fascinating and enthralling. I really hope that you know it's like this is like it carries on to attract audiences. Um, I hope and especially like as we reach towards the final, we might even see sort of like a full a full house and for that final. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad I'm not going to be able to get to, to games. Um, I had tickets for some, just not been able to get to them. I'd l- love to have gone to the, the final in Manchester on the Friday night. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen just because travel. Like The fact that there's not as many games like down here is what I was kind of hoping there would be For in, in all the tournaments is a little bit uh, upsetting for me. I know, Toby, I've, you haven't been able to get to any games in your, in person. Well, Robin, have you managed to catch any wheelchair? I know you said you've been to loads of games. Have you catch, caught any of the wheelchair action live? Not yet. I think um, tonight, the night of recording, is the first time that it's been in Sheffield. Uh, oh, sorry, yesterday even on Monday night was the first time it's in Sheffield, and I couldn't do that because of work. But I've got some tickets to the um, semi-final doubleheader at the EIS in Sheffield, so I'm excited to see that. Nice. Um, but I, I agree with, with like sort of what Toby was saying about how it's. Um, really sort of seems to have captured the imagination of a lot of people that have not really had much to do with our sport before. I think it's um, a really good version of the game and it's it's really exciting and um, I same actually. I, I've watched games that have been complete blowouts but still been interested because it's got that element of um, they're the kind of on the edge that at any moment the other team could score because the pitch is so small you don't get that um, sort of thing where one like one half of the pitch is just not used for ages, if you know what I mean. It's sort of yeah. Um, so yeah, I I really like it, and it's just I still can't get over like the the skill that these guys have got to find the spaces and the the mo- maneuverability of the chairs is something that's taken me by surprise. Like they can ch- like change angles on a dime. It's it's amazing to see, and I think we're um, I think we we might be uncovering some household names. Um, for England, because they are they are so good, it, it feels like there's probably three England teams that we could put out in this World Cup that could go on and win it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, do you know what? Go on. In the build up to the first England game, there was a lot of talk about this Jack Brown, the Halifax player. Mm, yeah, yeah. Which um, is weird because he didn't play a lot for Halifax during the season because he was over no, in Australia. You no, know what? Really like weird. watching him, he genuinely like. He genuinely plays as a like in the same way a world class halfback plays. Mm. 13 a side game like he genuinely is like a fascinating player to watch and like that is like the things especially like the things he's managing to do 
are just second to none. I think the other thing is like you consider like the Paralympics gets a lot of attention, and part of that is wheelchair rugby, but it's not the version of wheelchair, it's not wheelchair rugby league. Yeah, and like you think of all the things that are missing from like that wheelchair rugby with like the you know the kicking and the um the goal kicking and stuff, and to have all that, and I've said this a lot about wheelchair rugby league is like. It is the perfect rugby in a wheelchair sport. Like they've thought everything through, yeah. and they have they've got the tags on them, but they don't play like tag rugby. You know, they proper slam into each other. Mm. And I just think that like someone who watches that does that. Well, like if you even if you were completely hate rugby league, you know, on grass, if you watch that, you go, "This is the best wheelchair product that rugby that any rugby could produce." Yeah, it, it's absolutely ridiculous how. The, the speed and the, the power that they crash into each other and you, you think oh that must really really hurt but the way the wheelchairs are designed it doesn't really hit their bodies unless they obviously are not off balance and they end up like underneath their wheelchairs so to speak once they've, once they've been flipped and the speed like you said the speed and just the technicality of how they move the ball around in such a small space is just absolutely unbelievable um, names that are just thrown off the top of my head um, is, is Bailey McKenna he's got a wonderful hat-trick for Australia the other week and it's been all over the BBC and they've just been every time I look on my phone no matter what social media I'm on it's popping up it was like three four days ago John Wilkin uh, former England and current BBC pundit is they've got their hand in it he's been trying it out like this World Cup is really captivating like everyone like players from all con different countries leading no matter what sport well which tournament it is they're becoming absolute box office stars in the whole of like just every single just sort of aspect of the game which is really really cool to see um, yeah another thing that that intrigued me as well was uh, like whether the chairs are standardized and the only sort of difference that i've managed to notice is um at the back they've got kind of like two they're, they're almost like shopping trolley wheels yeah um that like help help keep them stable, but um, I noticed a handful of players actually just have the singular wheel at the back. Yeah, and one of those players is Jack Brown, and I think it's part of the reason why he always ends up on the floor because he's just got less points touching the floor to give him stability. But it also means that he can kind of rock a little bit more than the other guys, and I think that also helps with the um, maneuverability. So I think. It, anyone can find a little piece of interest in in this in this like version of the game like the differences in the chairs like we were saying about the the exciting nature the different kind of players you can be strong you can be quick you can be agile it doesn't really matter it's it's um yeah it's fascinating i'm really enjoying it yeah it's it's absolutely fantastic to watch more on obviously it would have been last night but uh, Wednesday the 9th there'll be um, Australia versus Spain and England versus Ireland as you've been listening they will have just happened so they're not they're, the games that have been played Wednesday are not going to be in our prediction um, but we'll just sort of speak about them Australia playing Spain England playing Ireland expecting Australia and England to win those games England will then top potentially will top the group Australia to finish second in that group and in the women's game which we, we may as well move on to because it's it's also on on Wednesday, Canada versus Brazil and England versus Papua New Guinea. It's going to be really interesting that Canada versus Brazil game because have, neither of them have won a game. I don't think have they. No, but both teams have been like completely um, smashed to bits in all their games. So it'll be cool to see how they go. I think 
um, the Brazilian side, they've got some really athletic players. Um, and I think in attack they've got they've got a bit of that Brazilian flair, and they've got they've, they've got um, uh, the, the young girl that plays hooker. She's tiny. She's a little pocket rocket, and she's she really barks that team around, and she seems to um, really sort of like manage the middle well. So it'll be interesting to see that versus Canada, which on the other hand have got some big hitters. Um, there's one one girl in their team that's that's. Um, was a, a Kiwi played for the Kiwis for a long while, and, and she's a bit of a veteran, and and she's got she can really whack them. So it's kind of attack versus defence. Um, both sides have kind of this is their only chance at a win. So it'll, it'll be everything on the line for them, and that it'll be cool to watch that, and and it'll be cool to see how, how England go against Papua New Guinea. Um, PNG have have been playing pretty well. They they absolutely demolished um, Brazil on on uh, Saturday night and it'll be England's sort of first first real test to see to see where they stack up at the moment it looks like they're flying and they look really really strong yeah it's going to be so entertaining Toby like you said the wheelchair game has brought so many uh, household names and box office stars and who for you if you've watched a lot of the women's game has stood out for you for, for any nation yeah, I think I've only actually, like, with, you know, other things being on and having to be a football fan on the side and stuff, I've only managed to catch the uh, England Canada game. <laughs> you know, I've only, I've only really managed to catch uh, England Canada. And um, I think that I went into that sort of, like, knowing that, uh, with the knowing, I knew the names of Tara Jane Stanley, Fran Goldthorpe and Carrie Roberts. And that was just from the time when you did commentary with her. Um, <laughs> Brad, but yeah, I think that I think um, yeah, that Tara Jane Stanley was the real standout for me in terms of like a back and interesting that she was at centre instead of full back. But I think that was just to make sure that there was a backup option at full back as well. But yeah, I think that uh, I haven't really seen enough. I thought that Canada were actually all right, and you know they were they were all right. They they were quite nice to watch, and I think that um, there's it's brought up more questions for me about like. Where does this game logically expand to next? Um, you know, is this something where like we need to be pushing Canada to 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 look up women's rugby league, or do we need to be pushing um, the Pacific nations to get more involved with it? Uh, is it just a case of getting the NRL and women's super league to expand? I'm not sure, but I think that you know to get to a position eventually where you've got eight teams who are all quite competitive. Um, would be fantastic for women's rugby, and I hope that that's sort of where we eventually where we end up by, maybe by maybe twenty twenty five. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we look at the women's teams that aren't in the the tournament: Wales, Ireland, Italy. Three nations there that have played women's rugby league quite a bit during the the summer, and have sort of I think they've got like a European competition between the three countries that I believe Wales won. Because they beat uh, Ireland forty four four, I believe, earlier in the uh, earlier in the summer. Italy playing games in in Italy as well against Ireland. Like, it's phenomenal that these three teams that have put on good matches between each other are going to have the chance in, in three years' time. I mean, eighteen months ago there wasn't an Irish women's rugby league team, and now they're pushing for a World Cup spot in in France in, in twenty twenty five. I mean, you're still probably looking at an eight team tournament. It, you might be lucky, and it might get pushed to. 12 and you like might get four groups of three or, or something where you have like four groups of three and then you have a quarter final stage or wherever but it'd be really interesting to see how, how that moves on um 
we we'll start with right, our big news. In fact, no, uh, we, we, we do you want to stay on the World Cup or shall we do some of the, the smaller bits of news before we go into deep diving delves of men's rugby league quarterfinals? Well, yeah. I just want, I just want to quickly say about the women's. I went, I attended the um, the opening game in Leeds, and it was a, a record crowd for um, a women's rugby league match in the in the northern hemisphere. Um, I honestly can say I've been to a lot of games and it was probably one of the best atmospheres I've ever experienced. I know there wasn't many people there. There was about 8,000 in Headingley, which is probably probably somewhere around half half full. But the place was packed full of school kids because it was on mm. at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And all these kids had made banners and they were just really like up for it and they were having a great time. They were so noisy. And um, Brazil had brought a, a samba band, and they were playing away at the bottom of the south stand. And it was just—it honestly was the best atmosphere I've, I've, I've ever experienced. It was so uplifting. It was so positive. And these kids were just cheering everything. Like the um, the scrum clock came on the screen, and they're all counting down from thirty, like it means something. <laughs> yeah. Like they were just that. It was it was awesome, and it, it was so. I I was really proud of like where the women's games come, and I was really like. I was just filled with joy for these English players that have like put so much into it. They're part-time athletes, and it feels like they're finally getting the recognition that they deserve. And they they were loving it. They had a great time. After the game, they were like running around and high-fiving all these kids, and it was just awesome. And I'm I'm really pleased because I I think that all those kids that were there have had a great experience. Maybe their first ever rugby league experience, and it just it makes me really proud to think that they would. There'll be little girls in that audience that have looked up to these role models in our um, English girls, and will hopefully one day grow up and maybe play for England. But at the very least, appreciate our sport. Yeah, definitely. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how this game is developed and just basically how it how many more nations we can get to play in a rugby league World Cup. I just had a well, quick search. You look at the International Rugby League World Rankings based on the last four years of competition. Um, there's 19 countries. Um, you've got you, you, England, Australia, New Zealand, PNG, France, Canada, Wales, Serbia. Turkey are above Tonga, Cook Islands, Fiji and Italy. Ireland are also there. The USA are 15th. Samoa are 16th. Brazil are 17th in the world above Greece and Lebanon. So you've got 19 countries there with a recognised women's team so there's no reason we can't have a 16 team world cup because yes you'll have england australia new zealand and maybe like the cook islands or png put big scores on these other teams but there's going to be a lot of close games in there and you're going to get some really really interesting results aren't you do you think that maybe some sort of like double or not double elimination but like that kind of like you'd start off with new zealand um, Australia, England, and Papua New Guinea in a group together, and then like how they place one to four depends on, you know, if they who they play from like two other groups or three other groups of um, or three other groups of like the teams who aren't like to win to keep the competitiveness in, in it all. Yeah and no. I think what we I think we've we've all sort of thought about it and we've definitely discussed it and I've seen other other people discuss it is if you've got a 16 team tournament those teams that finish third in the group go on to like a plate or bowl 
thing, kind of what they do in in sevens and in the in the World Series. If they don't finish in a certain place in the group, they just drop down, and you just go and have the teams that finish third go into a semi-final stage, and their final, and the teams that finish fourth go into a, another semi-final stage, and then they do you know what I mean? And then they play their bowl or plate finals during a semi-final that weekend of the of the of the cup tournament. It, I think that that is a way to get not just more yeah. games in there, but closer games and games that mean something because if you were to win the plate or the bowl you should be guaranteed entry into the next World Cup you shouldn't have to go through the qualifying stages you can have your four semi-final teams and then your or your is it your eight quarter-final teams that automatically qualify or something like that or is it the four semi-final teams I can't remember it's how it works so yeah straight you, to semis, it? yeah and then, but then your third and fourth will just go straight to semis and the teams that win those tournaments then get automatically so you're going to have 10 nations automatically qualified but then there's only six qualification spots so it's like how do you figure that out and look for those other nations it's there's a lot to work yeah. on but it's definitely an idea I yeah, actually, sorry all right no i'll just say i think that it's i'll bring up when we talk about the mental cup more but like there definitely is that this it would be has got that thing where when we have a chance to have an international window we have to rinse it yeah um because we don't know when the next chance for lots of teams to play each other competitively at a high level yeah. is going to come again. Um, so yeah, uh, but I'll talk about it more as we move on. Yeah, there is two teams. Though that's a lie. There is three teams at this World Cup. Uh, not at this World Cup, sorry. Ranked inside the top 16. Who are those three teams in the men's tournament? Three teams who are not at the World Cup. Yeah, in the, in the top 16. And there's Malta, obviously... Serbia, and... Oh, the other one's going to evade me. U USA? No, that's... Uh, the USA are 27th in the world. Which shocks me because they're below the Ukraine, Germany, the Philippines, Norway, Poland, Jamaica, and the Cook Islands, who are who are twentieth. The, the the Cook Islands and Jamaica are twentieth and twenty first, and they're at this World Cup. But there's forty nine teams on this list. I mean, the Cook Islands have like had a reasonable World Cup, haven't they? They yeah. haven't. I mean, I, I would have. I I think they'll they'll push up into the yeah. top top sixteen. I mean realistically you're looking at the teams like wales and scotland who didn't get a win to drop down into into the lower ranks and they'll have to qualify and they're gonna have some really tough qualification games against these teams uh the third team was the netherlands cool so but the teams that are ranked above the cook islands and jamaica that aren't in the top 16 also include the czech republic and turkey which when you think about it the european there's you there's so many european teams that could, that didn't make this World Cup that are ranked higher than teams that did make the World Cup which it goes to show that I know that happens in major tournaments but it goes to show that there's not just loads of development in the women's game that we need to ensure makes and happens but also in the men's game as well yeah like I know I know we want to save it for later but I feel like it's just a, a perfect like the fact that we've got so many teams that are um going to be competitive below maybe the top eight i think it supports what T toby was saying earlier about a, 
at the top four in a group, and then you have groups of closer matched like teams going down to maybe twentieth position, and you're going to see a lot more competitive games between those ones. It's just whether whether we can support such a big competition, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. It's something that maybe not for France, but you look at 2029, whether it's held in the USA or New Zealand or back here or in another European country. We know it's not going to be Australia and we know it's not going to be England, um, but it can be held and we know it's not going to be France as well. But we could, we're going to look and see where, where that tournament's being held. I mean, they need to know before. I think they know by 2024, we find out when the where the 2029 World Cup will be played. Strong rumours at the minute that despite the fact that there's no major tournament over on the East Coast of America, it might be over there. But also massive shouts that it could just be held in New Zealand only. Um, where would you like to see a World Cup be held eventually? Where would be your dream World Cup nation? Honestly, I think that the two countries that for me have brought the most flavour to this World Cup is Jamaica and Brazil. I don't, and I don't know, I don't think Jamaica is a massive country. So I don't know whether it would be possible to host it there. So Brazil would be pretty cool. Like the the um, the style of those um, Brazilian girls is is pretty it's pretty impressive. It's a vibe that I think would like lift the tournament and take it somewhere new for us. Yeah, I mean, you could have the final at the Maracanã, couldn't you? 100,000 people inside the Maracanã. Imagine that. be awesome. That'd be mental. Uh, there's three rugby league sta- official rugby league stadiums in America. You've got the Independence Park, which holds 35,000 people. You've got the Railway Oval, um, which holds 5,000 people. And you've got Sabina Park, which holds 15,600 people. And then when you look at football venues, there's 12 different football stadiums, th- those three included. But you've got like um, Montego Bay, which holds 7,000. Trelawney Stadium, uh, the a cricket ground, holds 25,000 people. Uh, Harbourview Stadium is 7,000. Emmett Park, these are just ones I'm clicking on, hold 4,000. Prison Oval holds 2,000. There's so many. There's so many sports um, and stadiums that this could hold. Look, I mean, you've got some pretty big, big stadiums there. That like, imagine how thirty-five thousand people in a World Cup final in Jamaica. Like, I would definitely go. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be very, very interesting indeed. Um, let's go into it then. We 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 stayed on the World Cup. Let's stick stick to it. Um, World Cup quarterfinals. We'll go through them in order. Friday night game, Australia forty-eight Lebanon four. I was really disappointed with Lebanon. Um, I think Caleb Rajab had played outstandingly well uh, with Dwayne moving into, I think he played in the centres and Karaz and Morkos had dropped out or something in that third game and they played really well. That seemed to, to really link in perfectly together and they dropped him to the bench and he, he just didn't get enough game time and Mitchell Moses was just absolutely shut down and no one else seemed to do it. They pin, Australia pinned Karaz in the back. They didn't give him the time and space to to run like New Zealand had done earlier in the group stages. I was just I was just disappointed with Lebanon more than I was impressed by Australia. I don't know if you two felt the same way. Yeah, I think I think Lebanon like sort of made it hard for themselves and made a lot of errors and you can't afford to do that against like the best team in the world. But I think they can be reasonably proud. I mean, 
yeah, they they weren't in the game at all. But but the score isn't too bad, you know. Like when you look at their World Cup as a whole, they um, they were within just over twenty points to New Zealand. Um, they beat an island side that people rated, and they absolutely smashed um, Jamaica. And then they kept Australia, Australia scored the lowest number of points against them out of all the teams they've played. So mm. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I think that it's been a good World Cup for Lebanon, um, probably off the back mostly of, of Mitch Moses. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I'd be. I'm not disappointed. I'm on the same token though. Australia, I think, I, I, I know that they're professionals, and I know that when they get there, they will be able to, to like keep a lid on things. But they're just don't have that complete professionalism. They, they're still pushing the ball a bit too much and taking chances that I know they can afford to do because there's so many scores up. But a lot of the times they're just chasing those sort of like low percentage moves because they just. I guess I guess it's easy to get a little bit bored, but they're just not. You know what I mean? We're not. I haven't seen that complete clinical performance yet, and I'm sure it'll come. But it's it's the only it's the only chink in their armor that I can possibly hope exist. Yeah, I mean, I'm, before I move on to what you want to say, Toby, I said in the when I did the power rankings, I had Australia number one. I said, what more can you say? They really are the best in the world. We know that. They've played that way and they've shown it. However, we know complacency can creep into any Australia side at any moment, so they need to wipe the floor with Lebanon to stay at the top. They didn't wipe the floor with Lebanon, but they are still going to stay at the top of my power rankings just because... Well, it's tough, actually. I don't know. Um, I easily could have put Samoa up there, but it's so difficult. I don't think those two teams played as well as England played in that first half, who then clearly took their foot off the gas. It's not like they made loads of errors in that second half. They just took their foot off the gas. But this, this Australian team seemed to just make errors rather than slow down, if that makes sense. I think the reason that like it felt underwhelming from Lebanon, and I think the reason that, yeah, and like I think that was because Australia got off to such a flying start. Like if they'd if Lebanon had held out for twenty five minutes and then all then the floodgates open, you'd go, oh well, you know, Australia are fitter, blah blah blah. I think it was just the fact that Australia sort of wiped the floor with them from the first minute of the game that made it difficult. Um, and then when Lebanon did sort of like start to hold them up later on, it didn't really matter. Yeah. Um, I think that that's sort of like with Australia where it's like they are able, you know, I think they, they are a team who haven't really been together for three years and you can sort of like work out what they're trying to do and they're probably their passing movements and stuff like that aren't going to be intricate and complex because they haven't spent any time in training camps together or anything, getting to know each other. But you've got to be able and match them for just like out the box, like out the gate energy yeah. um, at the start of games and you've got to be able to keep up with their fitness throughout the games um, to be able to have that chance um, which is still why I, you know, I feel like they haven't got that they aren't favourites to win the World Cup for me because I just think that teams who have actually been training together, you know, even when, it, even when it's just a camp twice a year and stuff for the past couple of years have a massive advantage over them yeah, definitely, and and this is where it moves. What you've just said there moves perfectly into why England are second and the way they played that first half against Papua New Guinea. I expected that to be really tight. I'd said in the in the previous power rankings, Papua New Guinea had been the most 
arguably the most consistent team in the World Cup. They've been the most impressive in terms of where they're like the quality of player that they've got in there. Yes, they've got Olam, they've got McDonald, they've got Johnston and Lamb and Ibhape. They're the main ones. Obviously, Reese Martin we know can kick goals for fun. And so if they score a try, it's most likely going to get converted. So you always have to make sure that your kicking game's on top. But there's not a handful of house. There's not a whole squad of household names like there is in every other team. Like you go through, apart from Lebanon, like apart from Lebanon and PNG, the other six teams in that quarterfinal, you know every you know every player. Maybe not all of the Tongan players, but you know ninety five percent of every player in the other teams. Papua New Guinea again, for me, I feel like they burnt out against. They had such a physical group that when England stepped up to gear eight in that first half an hour and put 38 points on them after 30 minutes they were like we can't handle this for another fifth for another 50 they stepped off the gas which meant England could step off the gas and the game just sort of petered out in the second half and England only won it 8-6 in that second half but they were clearly like like completely opposite to Australia like I've already mentioned they didn't make the mistakes they just they just calmed down a little bit which I mean we want to see we want to see him like pushing for the full eighty, don't we? But if they are gonna sort of rest and and try go down the game management route, the fact that they were able to do it without making errors, they still did win the second half. It's kind of like I would rather see that performance from England than them trying to chase that like blistering thirty minutes they had at the start, where they were just like couldn't stop scoring. Yeah, and and uh, and force the error. So I think this was like um, a good. Like obviously it's a good result for England, but I think like give it, it could have quite easily turned into just complete error fest, and yeah. everybody just wants to get a try because they just get so excited about the fact that they've still got sixty minutes to go and the game's already wrapped up. Um, which I reckon is probably you see in the experience creep through and um, Sean Wayne's sort of like guidance. I reckon will have. I, I'm sure he had a big hand in sort of calming them down at half time, saying look, you don't need to score 100 points in this game you just need to see it out you need to go and win it that's it yeah and yeah once it and, was and won, it was done exactly but like how good was that first 30 minutes oh, like, unbelievable. That was just great it was like playing on um, rugby league live on like <laughs> amateur difficulty they just they you know all about so... that you got all of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly they, it was crazy they were just couldn't stop scoring could they breaking the line and um i don't know if it's kind of similar to what we're saying like they won it so early that it was obvious the score and I don't know if it's good for spectators when that happens but a win's a win we'll take it yeah definitely I'd be quite annoyed if I was I'd be quite annoyed if I was Sean Wayne though and I've put out my best 17 and I've told them to play at 100% and then we've just given away um, or yeah, we've given away our best performance to, in front of a team we couldn't even bother to defend against England for yeah, but yeah, but, but I think minutes. that's also the a fact that we weren't necessarily Sean Wayne wasn't underestimating PNG. Um, yeah, they'd been I very much. Liked, it would have yeah. been very like Robin. Like Robin said, if it, if they weren't playing England, he'd love PNG to win. Like, I'm not going to lie. If I say that, am I, Robin? No, I I really rated them. I was really enjoying what like their performances mm. that they put in leading up to it, and and I thought it was going to be a, a brutal game. So I was I was really shocked that they just like fell apart like that. I put on my um, I put on my Twitter in the lead up like you'll never see a team who play for each other more than Papua New Guinea. Yeah, yeah. You'll never 100%. see a team who are just who who are good just because they like they're playing for the shirt and they're playing for their you know their family and their people their 
um, players next to them and stuff. Like they really are like the best team when it comes to that. Um, so it, you know, it, I think it's a bit of a shame that that it didn't quite show until the second half. At which point it was too late in this game. But also, you mentioned the spectators. I'm shocked that England played a quarter final at a World Cup in a rugby league centric town of Wigan, and there was a lot of noticeable empty seats. But it was also the most um, most attended rugby league quarter final of all time. And but I think that's just because the DW Stadium has got quite more has got quite a few seats. But also the cost of tickets was ridiculous. So it was yeah. like the, the cost of pricing two years ago when people brought these tickets was was reasonable because of the cost of living. And we go back to it; these these some of these quarter like some of the tickets for the semi final at the Emirates are ridiculous. The the, the the cheapest ticket in the bad seats is thirty quid. If you even want to get if you want a decent seat, you're looking at minimum fifty five. Category C, which is seventy quid, is only fifteen pound cheaper than my World Cup final tickets, which were category B, I think. Like it's fucking mental. But like, the thing is, like that that particular event was a double header, wasn't it? You had the England yeah. women on before, and then the men. And if you can't sell, like I know it's a it's a World Cup quarterfinal, so maybe people aren't as interested. But at the end of the day, it's an international fixture, which is a few and far between. England are flying; like they could not have had a better group stage. PNG are looking strong at the time. You're thinking this is going to be like a brutal mm. encounter, like in a in a in Wigan, like a massive rugby town. I I kind of agree with Toby. Like, what more do people want? I know the ticket prices aren't ideal, but it. What more can you ask for? Two games, a, like a perfect fixture in a in a game that means something, at the perfect time, like half two on a Saturday afternoon. It's a bit of a poor showing. I know we've had worse showings, but I think like I I would expect Wigan to sell that place. Yeah, Warrington always seems to be packed out because Warrington are pushing the fact that you can go and watch games there and you're able to purchase tickets through Warrington's website and stuff. Whereas I don't, I've not seen any other club do that, and maybe that's where the fact that Wigan Stadium is also a football ground and stuff like that. It's whether or not they're allowed to necessarily do. That I don't know if it, I don't know how yeah. it works. It, it's very interesting. Like you said, it's disappointing to see there was loads of empty seats, but also on the on the flip side, it was really nice to have the most attended World Cup quarter final ever. Like it's it's crazy, and it's it's also the fact that the the TV ratings for this World Cup have, over the last weekend have made this the most watched rugby league World Cup of all time. But you're also That's watching fair. three. You're also watching three tournaments, so it's it's like with there. Yes, it's the most watched of all time, but there's also more to watch. So it's so it kind of that's why, isn't it? It's not it's not that more people are watching it. It's that there's more games to watch, so there is technically more people looking at it. But it's not it's the same people just multiple times because there's more games and there's mm. different there's different things. Um, moving I on, guess, to, yeah, go on, no, was, go on before uh, we move on. Yes, I guess my other cynical point regarding attendances is the fact that like I know it depends on the football season. But a 32,000 capacity Bramble Lane was used for England versus Greece, and a 25,000 capacity quarter final featuring England was, you know, was was in like that was the Wigan Stadium. Like it doesn't really make sense that we want. It was almost like we used these big stadiums just because we wanted to prove that we could get them. 
um, in the group stage, and now all of a sudden, like the quarterfinal seems to be one about attendances. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's very difficult. But I mean, if it if it means that people are going to watch, and also if you've got bigger stadiums, if England are getting to these games, it makes more tickets available to buy when people make last minute decisions. If they're sold out because there's not enough seats to for people, then it's it's also you you kind of want to sell out because it's great because you've sold out, but also you want to make a, you want to maybe do a bit of a bigger stadium in case more people want to go, and you get you've got that chance of selling an extra five thousand tickets the day before. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah, it's, it's 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 that sort of cats. Not is it cats twenty two? Yeah, it's that that sort of you've got you you've got to make one decision or the other. Um, the third quarterfinal was the start of. I watched this late, and you two had said you two had just put in there. What a, what a game! Unbelievable. You said Brandon Wakeham's having a game of his life, and I said don't ruin it for me. And you were like, no, it's still nil nil. And I was like, how can you? That was a game? lie. It was actually six nil, but I didn't want you to think. That <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're definitely <laughs> lying because it's. You said it's ah, oh, it's like I'm like twelve minutes in and it's still nil nil. And I was like, no, it's not. Um, this was ridiculous. I was sat there praying that Fiji won that game. Like I was, I was Fiji through and through throughout that whole game. New Zealand again, disappointing, so disappointing. Le- lots of errors, lots of just they just don't seem to be clicking, do they? They've the other you know teams what, have seemed to click. Like, uh... They almost look like the West Tigers of the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I don't know why. There just seems to be... Oh, wait, it'd be because there's loads of former West Tigers players in that team. Coached <laughs> by Michael Maguire. Yeah, coached, <laughs> coached by Michael Maguire, yeah. Um, it, I was about. I was going to put in the group chat, this is like watching West Tigers play, but it's not wrong. It's You've got the best fullback in... Arguably the best fullback in the world. You've got the two NRL props of the year... You've got probably one of the best loose forwards in the game. You've got one of the best halfbacks in the game. You've probably got the best hooker in the world in your team. But you can't. You don't have decent enough three quarters in terms of centres and wingers. I'm sorry, but the Raiders, the Nickel Clockstad and Jordan Rapinoe, and they just haven't done it. They just uh, Ronaldo Militalo absolutely struggled with the high ball. He shouldn't be. I didn't. I saw for Solomona again. Erostrun. They said the same when we were at Headingley when they played Ireland, didn't I, Robin? When we were there, said so they just yeah. make too many errors for them to be favourites. I mean, they are the least. In my, if I was a betting company, New Zealand would have the best odds because they're the least favourites to win it. In my opinion, I'd be putting putting a tenner on New Zealand at twenty to one. Australia, England, or Samoa. You're not going to get your money back if you put a tenner on it. Like that's how that's how far down they are, in my opinion, compared to the other three teams in the semi final. I think they get absolutely annihilated by the Aussies on Friday night. Yeah, it was. So, I I was at this game and it was like, like you said, I was just praying that Fiji could see it out. They had it in their grasp, and like you're watching the New Zealand side and you're thinking they're better than this. And it was like, I was just thinking like, when are they going to turn it on? Like because. They've got that many strike players. They're a threat at any moment. It's just you just they just need to click. They can score from pretty much anything. And and in the end, that's what got them. They were saved by their their awesome fullback. And ironically, after we were saying that you know New Zealand can't kick, and I was tweeting, I was sending yeah. you guys messages about the kick, all the kickers are cursed and stuff. And 
it was the boot of Jordan Rapana that won him this game. He doesn't even kick yeah. in the NRL. Like, Toby, he doesn't... He, I think I, I was listening back to it and I think it was Vossi comment. Was it Vossi commentating on the game? And he said, Rapana has only kicked like 17 goals in his NRL career across... I think he's doing in the league nearly seven years or something stupid. And he just yeah, he I mean, doesn't kick goals. Behind. He's always been behind Jared Croker, uh, Aidan Caesar. I say seven um, years. He's been playing since 2008 and he's only kicked... Sorry, thir- he's only kicked 13 goals. Then he's behind Fogarty now. Um, ridiculous, so isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's never been the number one kicker, but clearly he uh, he's, uh, gets bored on the weekends and gives it a little go in his back garden or something. <laughs> That's all you need to do to be a kicker for New Zealand. <laughs> to be able to kick yeah. in your back garden. <laughs> I mean, they've got. A, I think that, that solidifies his selection in... The, in the semi-final team, um, uh, do you know what? I thought they were defensively okay. Um, I thought. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, Fiji did turn apart early on, but once that Nakama show went in, I think they did sort of go okay. I think that they're just they're a very very clunky machine, and they're mm. just not fitting together the way we thought those players would. It's like watching um, the Iron Giant, isn't it, with New Zealand? Yeah, I'm still. Do you know what? I mean, I wasn't convinced by Joey Manu at all. No. Um, at times and at other times I was very convinced by him I reckon when I was uh, hung over and I took that photo I just passed all my poor rugby league talent onto him because he like put <laughs> his hand on my back and you know that you know like like Mike when he puts the trainers on and stuff like that it was like that he just I just passed all my terrible rugby league talent onto him because he just didn't look overly impressive until the late, the last five minutes the five last past ten minutes of that game does that mean that his talent passed on to you and you're going to pull on a shirt for him <laughs> on Friday night uh, I hope not <laughs> I really hope not because I don't want to go up against James Tedesco uh, I mean just, I just wouldn't want to do but, it yeah I think that they might I think that they might be defensively okay against Australia but I, I don't mm. think they're going to score I don't think they, you know I, I don't no. think they're going to score much I think I think I was actually kind of weird like I remember when the game finished and like I had to wait for the um, like the post-match punditry to be okay with it yeah. because it felt in some ways like Fiji got robbed but the more you see it the more it's sort of it's a 50-50 call on the ball steal and yeah, then it was rough wasn't even it in, even in that last 10-15 minutes when Fiji were with ball in hand they were crap like they, yeah. they did not handle that ball well they were knocking on they were making poor decisions and I think that also happened to another team in the last 10-15 minutes of uh, of their game uh, of their quarterfinal, which we'll come on to, and yeah, it was it was kind of a shame to see because I almost feel like, you know, Fiji deserved that win um, in many aspects, but they just sort of blew it for themselves in their in their play in the last ten fifteen minutes when the sort of level heads of New Zealand came into play a bit more. Yeah, definitely, and you know what, I, I feel sorry for a little bit for Kevin Nagama as well because that was, I believe, the end of his international career. Uh, he won't. I'm very unlikely to be playing in 2025 unless they can do something crazy. He's obviously coming back to Super League for the Huddersfield Giants this year. It'd be amazing for him to finish on a high with them. But I felt for them because I feel like they deserve to move on to the semi-finals more than any other team that lost. In terms of like even Tonga, they played better than Tonga. I think if they'd have played any of the Samoan or Tongan teams, they would have absolutely. I think they would have wiped the floor with Tonga and Samoa because they just played so well. But then you look at how fizz- you watch that Samoa Tonga game back again, and, it- and I feel like I could watch that. That's a classic. You can just go back and watch that whenever you like. 
I you still wouldn't be able to pick a winner even though you know the result. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Fiji, you could tell they were just exhausted at the end of it, and um, you could tell that they were just devastated. They had it in their grasp and, and they let it go. And um, a shame for Kevin Nagama. And I know that these guys, all they really care about is results, but. I, I I'd just like to thank him for giving us like an awesome quarter final. I mean, mm. up until that point, we hadn't seen a close match until since like um like back in like round one. So they they I, they gave us a, a spectacle, and I'm grateful for that. But if we're moving on to that Tonga Samoa match, well, wow. I'd like wow. I'd like to echo that from you, Robin. Yeah, that Fiji. I think the wheelchair wheelchair game the Fiji New Zealand game and the Tonga Samoa game have saved this World Cup this, yeah this World Cup yeah. and has made us go this World Cup was all worth it everything was worth it to see what we got to see yeah. I also want to say I just note on like the last note on Fiji is I can't wait to see that Taruva come on oh, this yeah. season in the NRL oh man if you're a Penrith Panthers fan you are absolutely licking your lips because you've got talent coming out of every single orifice in your team like 1 to 25 or is it 30 mans or 25 man initial squads they pick but absolutely ridiculous is it like NRL 30 like every single one of them players is going to be unbelievable for Penrith like good luck to them good luck to any team playing them next season Jesus I remember they're Corisaulus and uh, Kakaulus next season though but the, but I don't think that makes a difference because of the the players that are being brought in to replace them. Like it's yeah I don't know it's just I'm worried we'll for Penrith. We'll I'm worried. Um, the Coruscant replacement is already there at the club, by the way. Yeah, uh, no, no, um, what's his name? Um, young lad, young hooker. He's played in the. Um, the academy last year um, I mean yeah they're releasing some like Sonny Luke? no I can't remember well, it's not Sonny Luke I don't think Riley Smith Connor Mason Luke Summerton no it's not on there um, for some reason it's really weird he's not on there even though I don't know maybe Anyway, moving on. To, moving on, to, yeah, to, moving on. I, I think I've just ruined Robin's build up to Tonga Samoa. No, so go on, on, go on. Let Robin go, go first. Because I want I don't want I, I want Robin to take up as much time as possible so you don't call this a dance off. <laughs> <laughs> go on. No, go on, I think like if this game hadn't happened, we would be saying like New Zealand Fiji like it was an awesome match, it was one to remember, but this just like overshadowed everything that's come before in this World Cup. Mm. It's a classic. It's an absolute classic, and I'm gutted that I didn't go to this one. I chose to um, stick out in York and watch something else. It honestly looked amazing. The build-up to that game with the um, the two the two the sippy, <laughs> the sippy towel and the silver towel, the two war cries, Toby. war dances, war, and war soft. yeah. It was soft. just the ultimate display of like. It was such a great homage to their cultures. It was like pure aggression and intimidation, and it was like uh, it was like a mini a miniature battle right in front of us. It was so symbolic, and then the fact that they managed to just coordinate it between the two of them, and it was like a call and response, and it was just like it was just such a spectacle. And, and 
and as well, it was so good the respect that they had between each other. Like we've seen in other codes where there's rules about how close you can get to the to the hacker and all these things, and it, it's dis- disrespectful to um, cross the halfway line or whatever. But I think it was just the perfect um, blend of like aggression and respect, which is what our sport's all about. Yeah, it was, and that, and that was just the first five minutes. <laughs> that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't even in the game. That built up just such an amazing game. Um, was it Corey's? Like, was it Corey's? Yeah. So they they discussed it beforehand that they, they when in, in two thousand and seventeen they did it at the same time, but it seemed really messy. It wasn't like a call and response. It was just done at the same time, and it was right. like they were sort of shouting over each other. Um, from what I remember. This time it was said, okay, you do a bit, we'll do a bit. You do a bit, we'll do a bit. And yeah, it was fun. It, it, oh it was my God, imagine, you know, right, it's crazy. I was disappointed when they all sort of shook hands and went back to their things at the end. Like, I wanted one of them to just get angry and lash out at the other one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, that's no, how no, good no. it looked. Like, it looked like it was, it looked like there was, they, they was just hatred and, like, rivalry. And, like, it just looked so, like, authentically just like fierce yeah no I get what you mean um, my takeaway from this game was Tonga's spine was just not as experienced or as clinical or as yeah mainly it's the experience as the Samoan spine in 2017 I say was 13 years old when Tamalolo led the revolution at the, the World Cup that year. He's 18 now, and he's probably been the best player in that Tonga spine. Like, Tessie knew, gutted that he didn't play. If I was Tessie knew, I'd be absolutely fuming that I wasn't playing in that quarterfinal. He had the game of his life the week before, and to be dropped for Hopawate, who got injured again, it's crazy. Christian Wolf just showing too much sort of, too much sort of love towards his Saints players. I think towards towards the end of that. Yeah, it was. I think the the thing that really um, lit this game up was when Samoa scored first. I think that was really important because I think it kind of shocked Tonga a little bit, and it gave the Samoans that like belief that like, oh no, we are the real deal because. Obviously, with what happened to them in the first round, they've they've not they, the competition they've come up against hasn't really been a challenge. Um, so I think that it was good that they managed to score early, um, and and get that self belief between themselves. Um, I thought Milford, like he had the game of his life, didn't he? He yeah. played awesome. Um, Luai, we finally we finally saw him like the things that he does come off. And work for them. Um, I, I I would have said that um, Coruscant and Kikau were the were the sort of best Penrith stars that have managed to transfer across into the into their like respective nations. But I think after seeing um, Toto and Luai for Samoa, I think we can say that now those two have done it. Those two have managed to carry carry their form over best. But. Um, yeah, I I, just, I enjoyed this so much. Um, I, I think that I just think it's great. I think we we we've got it's such a great product, our sport, and I think this was the perfect example. If I ever have to refer some to somebody to watch a game to understand yeah. what our sport's about, it's this one. 
Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's you just go and what games? What's your favourite rugby league World Cup memory that doesn't involve your country? And you're gonna go New Zealand, uh, New Zealand versus Fiji or Tonga versus Samoa Men's World Cup 2021. Do you know what I mean? You're gonna put those two games on, and the fact that they're on iPlay and you can just go back and watch them makes it so good to just go and watch. Um, Toby, from an NRL point of view, Milford has always seemed like the fall guy for his clubs when Brisbane weren't playing well and the teams he was with it was oh, Anthony Milford again not doing this not doing that uh, how good has he been for this Samoa side he's just seemed to bring a little bit of calmness hasn't he well I think the reality with Milford is he looked fantastic when there was no pressure on him he got given a massive contract he was, he's, he's a bit of a Luke Brooks isn't he got given a massive contract, got made the number one guy and all of a sudden it was like, whoa, calm down. Yeah. Um, and I guess similar, you could say, like in a similar vein to Brody Croft, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like that, too much pressure was put on him in a seven jersey. He comes to Salford, pressure's off and he's fantastic. Like, I think it's, I think it's that kind of feel about him and I think that, um, it, you know, I, in many ways, I think it was a shame like when he was at like South Sydney and stuff that nobody got injured because I feel like he could have come into a South Sydney yeah. team with Cody Walker as a as the main guy and he could have done something decent. I think there is a player in there and it's about unlocking it the same way that St George had to unlock Ben Hunt and you know that kind of you've just got to recognise that a player being really good sometimes is because he's really good at a specific role not yeah. because he's just actually talented um, but yeah this game was incredible um, I think it was like almost the perfect game of rugby um, my only issue was I could not believe Tui Lola here kicked that ball on oh, like four, four tackle with 30 seconds to go uh, just keep yeah, hold of it take a tackle like oh man I was, I was like what was are you awful yeah. for the last five minutes or so he kept kicking it just like stupid grubbers straight into Samoa players feet like yeah. there was no attempt to try and get it into like Tupo in the air yeah, and, it, and it's like not that. like he's not used to playing in bad weather he's played in this country for a hell of a long time yeah. he was the reason Huddersfield Giants for me didn't do very well in the Challenge Cup final he was another reason why they dropped off towards the end of the season and once again it showed that the Super League halves just don't have it compared to the NRL halves but there's one mm. Super League player who played in this game that stood out and it probably stood out compared to a lot of centres in the tournament Tim Laffey before he went to Salford, he was working on a building site. He had a, he's had a fantastic year. I believe it's just been a year he went to he's been at Salford, and he came into this. He wasn't even selected originally for the World Cup, and now he's come in and he has been unbelievable for the Samoans. And if I was Callum, I'd like that battle was going to be amazing. Tim Laffey against Callum Watkins uh, on on the right edge, like flip me, that's going to be fun because they're teammates as well, aren't they? Yeah, I think I think he is unreal, and I think that he's probably like he's not the unsung hero of Salford because he's been recognised for how good he has been at Salford. But in terms of he's probably done more for Salford being good last season than Brody Croft actually did, mm. and things like this. Like he actually was probably more of a key part than anyone's given him credit for. He's almost like he almost like works into part of the spine with some of the work he puts in, some of the big plays he contributes to teams. And yeah, I think that. You know, I mean, he's what, he's 31, but you wouldn't, you know, and he's, he has had some decent years and it was just sort of like, he almost kind of got abandoned over COVID times, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. He's kind of put down a pecking order and 
I don't think it was really fair that he you know, he finished. I mean, he you know he scored eighteen tries in ninety one games in in four years at um, St George before he you know was just sort of abandoned by the Bulldogs who were in desperate need of a rebuild because the rest of their team wasn't good enough. Yeah. So I feel like he's just I feel like he is just a player who's got unlucky in a brutal salary cap system in Australia. Yeah, really, really unlucky. I mean. He signed on a part-time deal, New, New South Wales contract for Parramatta for 2021, with what and only played once in 2021, um, and then signed for Salford at the end of 2021 for 2022, and has been absolutely ama- amazing for them. And I, I'm just really looking forward to seeing if this is a resurgence for him. Yes, he's 31 years old, but is he going to do what Kevin Nagama done? Go over and play another season or two in the NRL, and and then finish his career where he wants to finish his career um just fantastic i'm really looking forward to the semi-final um we're going to do set of six but before we do that we'll, we'll talk about some smaller rugby league news um t richardson's gone to st helens which was a transfer we all knew was going to happen but it hasn't happened in the normal way he has gone on a season-long loan with the option of a permanent deal um weird really weird this one i thought they would have just splashed the cash and then maybe sent him back on loan and then record him if they needed him but the fact that they've loaned him in with the option of a permanent deal at the end maybe it's just a way of the way saints are changing how they're running things a little bit yeah it kind of makes me feel like there's maybe another option that they're kind of chasing and Mm. Um, they might end up using him as as a backup. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if this is something that's might ever. I don't. I can't remember the last time I'd I'd actually really seen this happen. Because mm. um, I did, I did sort of read that uh, Barrow had a, a Super League clause where um, he was he was on contract to Barrow, but um, if a if a Super League club wanted him, then he could leave. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Because it, does a loan count? Like, is he? I don't, I, I don't know. There's something going on there, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the Saints squad, and they've got Wellesby in the one, Makinson in two, Hobwate in three, Percival in four, John Benison's been handed to five, Lomax, Dodd, Wormsley, Roby, Lees, Metaltia, Bachelor, Knowles is there one to thirteen. Really, really strong. Only two players in there that aren't English. Um, sorry, three technically. Morgan Knowles is Welsh, isn't he, Toby? Um, is he gone? No, no, no. Traitor. <laughs> no, he's in there. No one who's welcome never do that to Wales. So but yeah, yeah, I mean, you're looking at that and they've got two wingers on, obviously they're 1-13. to 13. Outside of that, they they have only got T. Ritson, uh, Juma, uh, Sambo and Ben Lane, who are two two academy products. And T. Ritson only on loan. Really odd. Hey. He is their only transfer in this year and they've lost Grace Amor. Nisbet, Sim, uh, Aaron Smith and Rio Corkill has not signed a new contract which will be very interesting to yeah. see you know where he goes. Probably fit the Saints squad still wins oh, yeah. Super League. 100%. But I think there is that issue of I mean even you can see James Bell and Louis McCarthy Scarsbrook rotate on the bench nicely as well. Mm. But I do think that once you get sort of you get to like you got Jake Wingfield, Dan Norman uh, ben Davis, Lewis Baxter. These aren't players who, they, you know, this isn't the depth that we that we've seen from Saints before. Um, but we also know what they're like for being able to develop players. 
But I do worry that four injuries is too will, will be too much for them. Yeah, potentially. I mean, they have got a lot of forward cover. So if they get full injuries in the forwards, we know that they're probably going to be okay. Like you said, on the bench, you're looking at McCarthy, Scarsbrook, Sirenen, Parsi, Wingfield, Bell, Norman, Sam Royals up there. Um, for the ones that we that we know, um, in terms of their the players that have played a lot, in terms of their backs, Hurrell's on the got twenty three, Richardson's got twenty five, Dan Hill's played a few games, centre fullback winger can cover anywhere, uh, Matty Foster another second rower, sorry that I've missed out another young player. In terms of hookers, obviously Joey Lussick in there backing up James Roby, and then uh, Taylor Pemberton another young lad coming through, so. They're very much, they've won their four, and then now they're going, okay, let's give the, the young lads a go, bring through another set of fantastic players and just see where we go from here. I think their goal is to eventually just win a Super League title with 100% homegrown players. I think that's what they're willing to do. So I think something else that's just worth noting, I think that this happened a couple of weeks ago, but I think we talked about it, is that Josh Sim going to win a Manly Se- uh, Seagulls to sort of try and try his luck at going up the ranks in Australia and I think that's like a really positive move for him but also something where like I don't know is there something is Saints is like player retention at Saints slowly disappearing or do you think that they are going to be able to just keep breeding players through yeah it's going to be interesting I think they will just keep breeding, uh, bringing players through whether or not Paul Wellens and Lauren Fresenu can work together to give them the game time that they need um, is is going to be really interesting so, so um, next one is NRL news Anthony Seabold to Manly after quite a long time at England Rugby Union thoughts on this as our, as our NRL expert I mean it's just it feels a bit senseless I mean I, I mean don't get me wrong I think that Manly had some weird affection for Des Hasler that wasn't justified I think that, you know, he kept a job through many bad decisions. Um, I, you know, I think that moving on, I don't blame them for that whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I do find it just um, bizarre that you take a coach that's basically got a reputation for for being so like rubbish at Brisbane and not being sort of like detached basically from what Brisbane needed um, yeah to sort of then say like let's appoint this coach that nobody in Australia really would want coaching their team yeah. after what happened at Brisbane uh, by the same like token like you have to wonder how big Kevin Walters network of phone contacts played a role in being able to rebuild Brisbane Yeah. Um, you know I don't like would I don't know, like, you, yeah, I think that there is something to be said for the fact that I think Anthony Seabold just didn't have the staff around him to be able to bring in the players that were needed. Um, it's, and also you have to think that Anthony Seabold actually, like, brought through a lot of players who are now regular starters in that Brisbane team. So I think that there is some positives about it, but I just think that to appoint him at a team which are in a bit of a limbo between... The Dally Cherry Evans and a bunch, you know, and needing a new team. Yeah. Um, especially with the fact that you've got a constantly injured Trevojevic, and yeah, there's just a lot to sort of put right there, really, and a, a lot of culture work, I think, to do there. Um, 
you know, do you really want someone who was basically controlled by fan base at Brisbane? Um, you know, surely you, you'd want someone who's just going to be a bit more, sort of just a bit sterner, really. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I was um, shocked when I read it. I was like, oh, I, in my head, I was like, I didn't even realise that I completely forgot that Hasler had gone in that sense. Like, you, you see, they seem so quiet about it. Um, just and it's just like oh, if anyone's going to go, I didn't think it would be Seabold. But there'd been calls for Seabold returning to rugby league for a while because of the way he's worked under Eddie Jones in, in rugby union, and he was apparently not enjoying his time there. Same as like Martin Gleeson, there's apparently big roles coming up for for him in when he's ready to do head coaching roles. More community. Right. Go on, Robin. Sorry. Well, just like. Echoing Toby, like a club that's about to go through such a big transition, why would you take on someone that the last job ended in such an embarrassment for Brisbane? It's surely going to be hard to recruit when it's such a massive risk. I, I think it's a poor decision. Yeah, it's, it's not not a great decision. Um, quickly as well, something that we, we touched on, a bit of community level news. Um, the England ex-league Lionhearts head coach Chris Coates has announced his 16-man squad for this weekend's Festival of World Cups at Sheffield Hallam University's Sports Park. Um, if you haven't watched ex-league, go and watch it. It's kind of like touch but not touch. Kind of like full contact but not full contact. It's really, really interesting. Um, but congratulations to the following. Adam Richards from West Oxfordshire Levellers. Alan Dalton from Saddleworth Rangers, Andy Waugh from Oldham St Anne's, Ben Bright from West Oxfordshire, Ben McGuinness from Brighton and Hove, Callum Snook again from West Oxfordshire, Carl Mercer, the vice-captain from Warrington Titans, Cameron Loves from Brighton and Hove, Danny Moran from Oldham, uh, Des Thompson, the captain from Warrington Titans, Jordan Marshall from Bedford Tigers, big up jock, uh, Liam Jackson from, is it Hay uh, Hewith that you say it, Robin? Yeah. yeah, he's in squad. Liam McGinty from Oldham, Liam Moran from Oldham, Tyler Ramu from Bedford, well done Tyler, and Simon Travis from Dodworth Miners as well. Um, the inaugural Festival of World Cup event takes place on Friday 11th of November at the Sheffield Hallam University Sports Park from 1 till 4pm. They will face off against representative exceed sides from Scotland and Ireland. Um, yeah, this really weird. I congratulate. I mainly want to touch on the Bedford Tigers boys there because they've only played one game of X League in a. It was kind of like a community game against uh, a team that were just doing some uh, like a bit of like a tour down on the way, and so they wanted a game halfway down to play. And the lads went down on a, on a Thursday evening, I think it was, and went and joined in. And two of them have made the England Lionhearts squad after one one game, which is really, really impressive. I've never heard of this X League before in my life. I know you said it's a bit like uh, yeah, it's like, it's really I I've had to sort of research it because I was like, what is going on? It's limited contact rugby league. Um, it's seven aside, sixty by forty pitch, thirteen minute games with no half time. Number of players can range from five to eleven. Uh, the pitch side is adjustable. Um. Yeah, it, uh, it's. So how do you make a tackle in actually? The tries are scored. Uh, tackles are made by a touch to the ball. The ball carrier can fend off and protect the ball. However, they cannot deliberately change the momentum of others by pushing, pulling, barging, or carrying the ball above head height. Tries are scored by placing the ball down over the try line or when the ball carrier gets both feet in the in goal, like a 
American football touchdown. Um, X-League, X-League has two modes of refereeing. In a competitive situation, games can be controlled by a single referee. In a social setting, captain's agreement is the preferred method of arbitration, where you kind of just self-regulate. Um, yeah, it's played like... Rob- did Ralph Rimmer eat before coming up with this? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not allowed to say anything. I, I yeah, I think it kind of makes. I mean, we used to play it as like a warm up, I guess, like the t- touching the ball yeah, in the tackle. Very much so. But I, it's just uh, it sounds like there's a lot of grey area about what you can. But you can, can't but do. you can still hand off, but you can't mm. hold the ball above head height. So I'm guessing it's it's yeah, it's it's basically touch, but yeah, it's it's like semi contact touch. It's non-dangerous rugby league almost like it's yeah. rugby league where the person is going to get to hamstring. Yeah. Um. But like at the same time, like I feel like saying like, oh, you can still hand someone off makes me feel like someone's getting shoved into the ground and hurting something. So it's a bit like I don't know. I I, I don't know. I'd have to watch it and then I'd probably be fat sound well, with it. Well, if you're not doing anything just, on Friday, mate, head up to Sheffield and go and watch it. I, I'm but I'm on a I'm on a placement now. I my, my days are. <laughs> No, that's fine. Well, like I've played a bit of touch and I, I really enjoy it, so I'm I'm in yeah, mate, I'm Go and get yourself going, go and play some pitch lead. The places you can <laughs> the places you can play X League, Accrington Wildcats, Chester University RL, uh, Harrogate Fire Ants, Oldham St Anne's, Sheffield Forges, Saddleworth Rangers, Warrington Cross League and the York City Knights Foundation. Um other Teams, you've got uh, Dodworth Miners, um, Hewith, Warrington, Brighton and Hove, and Wex- West Oxfordshire as well. So you could go and play it, Robin. Go on. Uh, sorry to, like, have to say this like whilst we're recording, but can you just send me the link to whatever you're reading, please? Yeah. Uh, what on the the X League the thing? Yeah, just on like what it is and yeah. who plays it and stuff. I've like, dropped it in. All I can find is the like the Lionheart squad. Yeah, but there anyway, you go. I've uh, dropped it in there. It's in the Biff, it's in our Biff chat on Discord for you as well. Both of you can have a look. Yeah, go and get. I, I mean, it's a game that I would happily play um, if it means not getting injured. I love playing a bit of touch. Um, it helped me get fit as well. So, um, if you're interested in playing, you can register now on the RFL website and you can play at any time during the year. So the activity apparently also takes place in Ireland, Hungary, and Australia. So there are opportunities for tours and international fixtures. So awesome. Brilliant, yeah. Um, set six time. Current scores: Robin on ninety seven, myself on ninety four, Toby on ninety. Toby, you've only got two more weeks of this to to try and win, and you're seven points behind with not seven games to go. Well, got not, a plan. Nine, nine got games plan. to go. Okay, you've got a plan. Um, I won't ask what it is, but game number one: wheelchair game, France versus the USA. This is quite easy, isn't it? I think. Yeah, you've got to pick the founders that have. I mean, I, I wonder this got 154 points. I've never seen that before. Um, yeah, I mean, England, England scored 102, and I don't think I'd ever seen that in a wheelchair game. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, France for me. Yeah, France for me too. Are you going to go for France as well, or are you just going to go opposite to everyone and just hope that you win? Yeah. So my plan is to just hope that every underdog wins. So yeah, give me USA. <laughs> I can't wait. You know for what? Me I would happily, I would happily lose if that if that happens to me. Yeah, <laughs> I would happily lose. Like yeah. I will, I will hand over the trophy with pride that that was the week that was. 
That means you're going to have to pick Scotland over Wales in the next game, aren't you? Because I think Wales are the favourites to win this one. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh, you said it, not me, Brad. <laughs> so you're going, Sc- you're going to Scotland? I'm picking the underdogs in every game. I mean, I don't know who the underdogs are. Shall I look on Skybet and see if I'm see who, what Skybet is saying? I'll just write down oh, who the underdog is. That's no, no, because that's the actual underdog, isn't it? That's that's the well, actual underdog. Like, so Wales, Wales got beat one hundred and fifty four six against France, <laughs> and Scotland got beat eighty fifteen. So, so Scotland had a better game against France. Mm. But Wales but, beat the USA, and the USA beat Scotland. Scotland. Oh, I'll tell you what. The win outright. Okay. The win outright for the Rugby League Wheelchair World Cup. Scotland are 500 to 1. Wales are 100 to 1. So I think there's your answer. Yeah. Who are you, yeah, pi- I, who, who are you picking, Robin? <laughs> I'll go I'll go Wales. Uh, Toby, are you going Wales or are you going Scotland? I need, I need, I need, I need an answer. But I'm not saying it out loud. <laughs> say it, I, need, I need you to say it out loud, otherwise it's not official. Not Wales. Not Wales. Okay. Um, the women's game. Uh, we've got actually it's quite nice. We've got two wheelchair, two women's, and two men's games. Um, first up, France versus the Cook Islands in the women's game. Um, hold on. Let me just get my women's World Cup fixtures for this one. Um, the favourites for this game are. Oh, interesting. So I... I've seen. Oh, go what? on. Go. You go first, Robin. Well, I've seen both of these two teams play twice now, um, and France have failed to score, from my memory. I believe so, yeah. Whereas the Cook Islands have some pretty cool players. Like there's a their their centre that tends to play at half back. Um, she's massive, and she's like got she's sick sick ball handling skills, and she's also puts on some good shots. And they've also got um, Ruben Wickie's relative as well, and she she's a McKen- great Mackenzie Wickie, uh, Ruben Wickie's daughter, yeah. Yeah, and she, I think she scored the try. Uh, yeah, so yeah, France have lost forty six nil and ninety two nil, whereas the Cook Islands only lost thirty four nil and seven thirty four four and seventy four nil. So yeah. they've had a better result against Thingy. I'm guess you'll go, uh, that means that Robert, uh, Toby, you're going for France, I guess. Wee 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 wee. You're going to really struggle picking the next one, Toby, because it's Australia versus New Zealand. <laughs> and oh, to be fair, it's it's very obvious if you if you look at the betting odds. Um, it, I know who to go for, but I want you to pick before me and Robin tell you who the favourite is. Um. Yeah, I mean, as Australia have scored. 86 more points than New Zealand. I'm going to take New Zealand. <laughs> you sound really disheartened. <laughs> you sound yeah, so I, disheartened. It's I'll, like, I'll... You know, like, you know, I don't know if you ever watched basketball, but you know when like a team's like 10 points down in the last minute and they just start fouling the other team, hoping they're going <laughs> to miss extra points on the board yeah. and they're going to like score like three point after three point after three point and win the game. <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of thing where it's like, we're not going to win this, but if we don't try it, it'll never happen. Yeah, I, I totally get you. Um, I mean, I've gone for Australia. Have you, Robin? 
Yeah, I think Australia as well. Right, I'm going to have to pick some fucking difficult ones. Uh, men's semi-final, Australia versus New Zealand. Um, this is tough because I really want to go for Australia. But I need a point on Robin because I feel like we're going to go for the same for the England game. Um, tough. Um, Toby, you go first. Uh, yeah, Charles Nickel Clockstad, uh, Sebastian Chris, and Jordan Rappiner. You just named all the Camber Raiders players. Um, <laughs> not, not any of the. Is there any Camber Raiders players in the Australian team? Uh, Jack Whiten. No, oh, so you don't want Jack Whiten to win, no? Oh no, 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 four no, versus no. one. No, 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 no. Four versus yeah, four versus one. Um, I'll be honest though, this is tight. Um. This one, Australia two to nine, or New Zealand ten to three, so very very interesting. Robin, this is tough because we get, we we have to have a proper conversation about this one. Um, Australia are definitely the team to beat. Uh, New Zealand and Aust England to both win their semi-finals is eleven to two on Skybet, just so people are, are aware. Oh, did I did um, Toby? Did I tell you about the wonderfully perfectly timed bet? That oh, yeah. me and Robin put on in the England Greece game. You did not. Um, we were sat in the pub, and I was like, "Oh, I've got, I've got a tenner. I could put on a bet. What do I put on?" And it was like, what was it like four to one or something? Oh, no, I put yeah. A, yeah, it was no, it's four to one. No, three, three to one for both teams to score one plus try in the game. So England had already scored two at this point, and I just needed Greece to score one try, and they'd already gone close. So I was like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'll put a fiver on it." And then 30 seconds later, Greece went in and scored a try. <laughs> and I just had 20 quid sat there. It was like, it was absolutely wonderful. It was majestic. And then Jazz went and ate a beef burger. <laughs> oh, oh, man. The boundary. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, let's move on. Let's move on. I think that was, I think beef burgers. Yeah, it was it was an accident, all right. <laughs> it was it was a massive accident for me and Robin. We did not stop laughing, and he called her a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> Australia to win. Robin was that? Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to this game. I can't wait to see it. There's only so many chances in your life to see Australia play New Zealand. I'm gutted. In this country, a two rugby league giants clashing. I can't wait. And well, I think Australia. I think they're miles better than New Zealand. I don't think we've seen. I don't think we've seen the best of New Zealand. But even like you know, I don't think Australia have even got out of third gear yet. They they're too class. I'm still laughing. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to go for Australia as well. I mean, they are so much better than New Zealand and everyone else in the tournament so far. But this is obviously England's tournament to lose, according to everything else that you read. Um, England versus Samoa. This is tough because you look at group. You look at the first game of the tournament and you think, ah, oh, England should wipe the floor with them. But every game that you've seen Samoa play, they've got better and better and better and better. England have kind of not got any better, but they have improved in the consistency that they're playing with. They, like you said, they didn't really make any errors against PNG, especially when it mattered. They started so much faster. 
if they start with that speed and that ferocity again against Samoa, who have just come off of an absolutely brutal quarterfinal, then I think in, I think the only thing that makes it's at Tonga. The Samoa Tonga game was their final for them. Like they they both went all out to win that game, and I think it's going to make a massive impact. So, and I think that's why for me I'm going to go England. Also, the crowd is going to be behind the English, aren't they? Yeah, I think like a point I would have made was the fact that this is Samoa's first um, semi-final. 100%. But I think like, and I mean this in the best way possible, but like the arrogance of, of those Penrith players means that that doesn't come into effect. They, they don't care about the occasion. Like they'll mm. take on any team in front of any crowd with anything at stake. Um, I'm quite nervous for England actually because I think like the power of revenge can really spur on a team like Samoa really were embarrassed in that first round and like this is just like the, uh, honestly when we, when I was watching the Tonga Samoa game I wanted Tonga to win because I thought if Samoa get through they're going to have such a massive point for us against England 100%. that this is going to be like really intense um, but whereas like we're saying about England they 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 have sort of made smaller steps to improve, but maybe they started off at a higher level. So, oh, it's so tough to call. I, I, I don't know which way to go. Obviously, I want England to win, but I'm really nervous. I'm really scared of this Samoan side. And Well, why don't um, you wait and see who Toby picks and then go whatever, whatever he does so he can't get a point? <laughs> no, I think, to be honest, I think England have got enough. Um, but... Oh, I'm ner- I'm genuinely nervous about this game. Like, I, I, there's echoes of the um, 2013 World Cup and yeah. previous, like, just general sporting heartaches. As an English person, I'm just I I just want us to get to that final so badly. Um, I, I've got I've got to pick England. I'm just going to throw all my eggs into one basket and go. I'm either going to be thrilled at the end of this weekend or completely devastated. Toby, underdogs for you what? are who? Yeah, before we selected um, first round set of what is it? Uh, yeah, when we did our set, yeah, when we did our first that round. Said, like, oh, I think England will turn Samoa over because they're a better oiled machine. And once Samoa have got into it, Samoa's quality will show in the semi final. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I actually can stick by that. Um, but I do think that Samoa are underdogs in this game. Um, but you know, I think that you know England haven't won any dance offs. Um, on the road to the semi-final and, you know, Samoa have and I think that that's a really crucial factor um, so, you know I'm going to take Samoa because I think they'll continue their, their reign as dance-off champions, winner stays on and, uh, <laughs> and, the and, final. and on that note uh, Bradley and Robin get five points this week and Toby gets one if Samoa win <laughs> um, that's, that's still best, I think that's the best outcome for you is that me and Robin just push five more points on you um, after some of, maybe, maybe, maybe not the France Cook Island. You might get a surprise, and maybe the wheelchair one might might throw a surprise at the Scotland Wales game. But I think you are in the mud. Um, yeah, absolutely. Robin, apologise to Jazz for me. That I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will do. I will do. Don't or just don't tell her, and then let her listen to it and see what she does. <laughs> I don't know what would be worse. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, yeah. Um, well, how do I end that? Because that just went into that just turned into absolute chaos, then, didn't it? I um, think you end it by saying that the next time that we speak, we will know the grand finals for all three competitions. There is 
like such an unbelievable amount. When are the wheelchair semi-finals? That's got to be played. The wheelchair semi-final is in Sheffield on the thirteenth of November, which is what day? Friday. Sunday. Oh, okay. That's so. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be. We'll be all right then. We'll be sweet. So we can. Yeah. Next time. Next time you hear from us, it'll be a World Cup. It'll be a triple rugby league World Cup final preview. And it will be our penultimate podcast of the season. That's really sad, but exciting because there's like <laughs> look at the games that we've got ahead of us, guys. Like we've got, we are so blessed to have this um, awesome competition in our country, and just some absolute amazing athletes. I feel like the inspired us, hasn't it? It's inspired us to be even better next season. Yeah, it definitely has. And like I said, there's plenty of massive news coming your way to the first guess what the first game after the World Cup is going to be it's going to be the Weatherby Whaler Challenge on Boxing Day isn't it it's going to be Leeds versus Wakefield on Sunday December the 26th wait was that actually the answer bro yeah yeah. I was joking I thought you were going to say the first game in the Super League season oh (laughs) Just no, messing it's... about saying the weather be weather, but yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, right. I, I, it's going to be December the twenty sixth. I, I, I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know that might have been last year's one, but yeah, there's there's going to be games on the twenty sixth of no. December. So... so, so what you're saying is like, join us live on December the twenty fifth as we preview the weather be weather <laughs> cup. Uh, no, no, because that's Christmas Day and I'm having, I'm having a day off. Of the <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, we've been the Biff Rugby League podcast. I've been Brad. That's been Robin. That's been Toby. Um, join us next week. Um, I can't wait. This has been an absolutely fantastic year for us. Uh, thank you, everyone who's listened. Thank you, everyone who's commented, liked, subscribed, shared, commented. I've said commented twice there. Replied to tweets. Um, Power Rankings came out on Twitter yesterday. So go and, go and check them out. Reply. Um, definitely, Rob, Toby definitely replied to one earlier in the week and then deleted it straight away. Um so he... oh yeah that was um i i tried to uh i tried to record a video t- telling you off putting wales 16th and then when i uploaded it to twitter it only uploaded the second half of the video <laughs> <laughs> i was like going to reply to it and then i clicked it and went, this tweet had been deleted so i was really upset that you just absolutely bottled it um and i was kind of just sat there waiting for you to t- type something back and it just never came so i was, <laughs> I was really really upset um but really? no in the dark just waiting yeah i was just like come on come on come on reply reply uh but no thank you very much for joining us this has been episode number 25 we'll see you next week for episode number 26 and a triple rugby league world cup preview thank you very much and good bye